Morning. This is cosy. Um, yes, today, joy. I think that must be the look on every child's face as they open their curtains this morning and they see the snow. Every child must be like, yay, freedom. Um, Peter, this, this letter, I chose this, this, this chapter. Um, we're looking at the different characters of the Christi- different Christian characters and today is joy. Um, I'd like to read it again, actually. I'd just like, like these words just to soak in. So Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. He then carries on and he says, in all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven gentleness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So I am going to try and express an inexpressible joy, which feels like a bit of a tall order. Because the reality is Peter knows that they face trials in life. He knows that life gives us trouble. He knows that it's not smooth. But they've got this joy, they've got this deep joy. And what he's saying to them there, he could be saying to us now, we could have trials, illnesses in families, redundancy, trials with friends, trials with neighbours. We have trials, but we want to capture some of that joy I decided that to get down to it, I've got to get down to the root, the real root of where does the joy come from. Um, I'm sure you all know that Mark and I are looking to open a retreat and we want to take in homeless people and we want to take in people who are broken and we want to look after them. And um, we want to do that and, and we want to share a joy with them. And we go over and, and, and we, we, we spend time in a soup kitchen. And these are people who are drug addicts, they're alcoholics, they're prostitutes. I mean, we are talking as poor and broken humanity as you can possibly get. And the police, they try and ban drugs and they try and go after drug barons and they try and go back after the supply. But I've got this belief that if they could get to the root of why they're taking the drugs, why they're drinking the alcohol, if they could sort that bit out, if they can get to the root of it, then actually the other stuff would all fall into place. So I've taken the same kind of mindset of getting into the root of why, why does Peter talk about this joy when they're having trials, they're having troubles, they're having problems. So 
I'm going to look at it through three eras. The era of the Father in the Old Testament, the era of the Son, the New Testament, and the era of the Holy Spirit, the here and now. So I'm gonna flip to the Old Testament. I did at this point really want Bill Sharples here because it's talking about Abraham, and Abraham's nearly 100. And I just felt that Bill would be a lovely kind of example if we got him to stand up. Because God's just told him he's going to have kids. Now I don't know what Bill would think if Bill hadn't got kids and we said, you know what, you're gonna have kids. And and God's just said to Abraham, you're gonna have children. And you're gonna have so many children, you're gonna have as many children as there are stars in the sky, you know, many, as many generations going down the line as there are you know, grains of sand on, 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 you know, on the floor. And, and God's clever because the reality is that he makes this promise. And whenever Abraham goes out, night or day, he won't forget it because he will look up and he'll go, children, or he'll look down in the day and he'll go, children. And God says, you're gonna have that many kids, there's there's gonna be kings that are gonna come out of your line, and there's gonna be the saviour, the the saviour will come out of your generations. And and, and you're gonna have that many kids, I'm gonna give you all this land. And Abraham's like, taking all of this in, you know, and he's, he's, you know, Bill Sharple's kind of age, and he's like, whoa. And, And he says, how will I know? And God says, well, you've just gotta love me back. That's the deal. Just show the world that I love you, and you love me back. So I'm going to flip to Genesis, and we're going to start. Where does this root of joy come from? In Genesis, we're in um, chapter 15, verse 9. So the Lord said to him, that's to Abraham, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each of them three years old, along with a dove and and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all of these to him, cut them in two, and he arranged them in halves opposite each other. Birds, however, um, he did not cut in half, and birds of prey came down to the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep, deep, thick darkness. A steep sleep came over him. I'm then going to jump, jump forward. When the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and it passed between the pieces. In those days, when there was an oath, there was, when there was an agreement being made between two parties, they had two ways of binding the oath. Whereas we would shake hands on something, we would shake hands. They would either have a meal or they would do this kind of ritual where they would cut these animals in half. We would work, we, we, if we bought a house, we'd sign a contract. You know, I agree to sell my house for this, I agree to buy my house for this. In those days, they'd get these carcasses and they'd chop them in half and they'd put them opposite each other. And then basically, both parties would walk between the carcasses and the blood of the carcasses would end up on the hems of their clothes. And the, 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 the oath was, if I don't keep my half of the bargain, what's happened to these carcasses, these halves, may happen to me. And that was a ritual that they did. But God knew, God knows, that we won't keep our half of the bargain. He knows we'll get it wrong. He knows we'll muck up. 
So in effect, God let Abraham go to sleep and he made himself accountable to Abraham because the fire pot was God by, going, by passing between the two. But Abraham didn't have to because God knows and God knew that Abraham wouldn't be able to hold up his half of the bargain. We won't keep our promises to God, but he loves us that much. He makes allowances. The God that made the world, made the universe, made our planet, made the clay that made these bricks that this building is made from, loves us that much that he knows we'll get it wrong and he'll, 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 he, he, he doesn't, it doesn't affect how much he loves us. You know, we, we've just had this little puppy and she's the cutest. She's kind of half long-haired Alsatian, half long-haired golden retriever. She's like a little lion and she's got huge feet and, and she is, you can't help but love her. She's just so cute. She's just, just this bundle of fun. And I know every evening I've got to go down the garden and get someone's shoes back. I just know it. And I know every morning that I've got to get my slippers out of her bed because she's just chewed them and gone to sleep with them. Like... I could, not, I could not not love her, she is so cute. And this is like, God loves us that much that no matter how wrong we get life, we can have a joy that he loves us and, he'll, and, and he's there for us and he's got our backs covered and he's ahead of us and he's, he, he's got us, he's, he's for us. I made a note actually about David in the Old Testament. It's 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 14. When he danced in front of the ark, David knew this joy. He knew it, I mean, he experienced it years earlier with Goliath. He knew that God wasn't gonna let him down. He knew that, that, that God would always, always be there for him. And that imagery of him jumping and dancing in front of the ark, he, he, it was inexpressible. He couldn't contain, it was almost, he couldn't contain it. He couldn't hold it in, it had to burst out. He knew that however bad it got, God was always ahead of him with a plan. Always, always there on the lookout for him. So jumping forward, we'll go to the New Testament, to the age of the sun. Before this this piece of scripture in Peter, in verse two, it talks about the blood of Jesus cleansing us. The resurrection shows us the way. In Matthew, in chapter 28, verse eight, the two Marys are at the tomb. They've got there, the stone's been rolled away. Jesus' body's not there. And it says, the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. They ran to tell the disciples. You know, their joy because they had realized the good news that they couldn't contain Jesus. He was alive, he was up, he was out. That joy that was in them, I love the fact that they ran. You know when like someone's really excited to break good news, you almost, you can't just walk there, You've you've just got to bolt. They ran. They imagine the flip from, from, from the lowness of the crucifixion to the joy the, that they felt. It was like, we get it? He's, he's up, he's awake, he's alive, Jesus has risen. 
They knew he hadn't been stolen, his body hadn't been stolen, because the grave clothes were there, folded nice and neatly. If anybody had stolen the body, they would have just taken the body with the grave clothes. They felt that joy. I've put every Sunday that we come together, it's actually a celebration of the resurrection morning, not just Easter Sunday. When we're singing and we're worshiping God and we're singing to Jesus, we're celebrating the fact that he can hear what we're saying, that he's receiving the worship. The stone was rolled away. I suspect that was not to allow Jesus out. I suspect that that was allowed to see, for the women to see in, to see that he'd gone. There's Black Friday not so long ago. I've never actually done a Black Friday shop, but I know it's quite popular. And you see these things on TV where these people have these shopping trolleys and they, I don't know, they just seem to chuck everything expensive in, whether they need it or not. I don't know. They've got TVs and microwaves and, and you know, there's this manicness. And, and they get so excited when they get to the till and, and it's half price or whatever price they're charged. But imagine if when they got to the till, somebody said, it's all paid for, so it's on me. You know, imagine their joy then. But the reality is, Jesus has done that for us, for our lives. That's where the joy comes from. He's, he's got this rescue plan. As I said, Mark and I go over to um, a soup kitchen. Um, the age of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus in us, working for people, helping people, sharing the good news. And we go to this soup kitchen and um, we serve between 70 and 80 people. And they are broken. They leave that place and a lot of them don't have homes to go back to. Um, they are really destitute. and. The church that we go over and we've kind of got to, to go over and help through have started offering them a service after they've been fed. And the first service was about six weeks ago. And we went over and um, we'd fed them. And the, the, they have the offer, if they want, they can walk to the building next door, which is a little church, which on a good Sunday, they get 20, 25 people in this little church. This church building, they say you can use it, and if, if you want to do a service, and it's, it's, a, it's, like, an out, it's like a service for outcasts, it's like a service for the re- people who are rejected in society and would not walk into a church. Anyway, the first one that we had, the, um, I, I was tidying up, I was one of the last people to get into the service because we'd mopped up and tidied all the chairs and everything away, and I thought, oh, how many people will there be in there? Will there be like... I don't know, five. How many people will actually bother walking next door? Now, I was aware that there'd be a good 30 volunteers because of the cooks and the servers and also people next door that were going to help them. And I walked in and it was packed. It was, they had to look for spaces to seat people. The, 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 the pastor, who's normally there on a Sunday, who, like I say, he just, he's blessed if he gets 20 people. He was like, coming in, coming in, coming in. And, and he couldn't get you in and sit you down quick enough. And we had the first service and we worshipped. And the people that, that, were, uh, that were church worshipped. And you could see these people like just not kind of knowing what to make of it, thinking this is a bit, you know. And then a couple of weeks later, I was speaking to somebody, and I said, oh, have you been to one of the services? And they said, yes. They said, well, 
When I was at primary school, I went to proper church with hymns, but I've never done anything like this before. But each week, this service fills up, and more and more people are coming, and this network, this network, it's not advertised, this network of, of, of people who are on the streets are telling more people and more people and more people. Two weeks ago, we went, and I, it reduced me to tears. We, we went in, and there were people who I genuinely would be scared to walk past in the street at night if I didn't know them. And they stood there after only five weeks, and they've got their hands in the air, and they're worshipping with their eyes closed because they've already sussed out the words. And they get it. They get this joy. A lot of them will leave that building, and they've got nowhere to go. In fact, quite often, they will do a hand count before the end of the service, who hasn't got a sleeping bag for tonight? And however many it is, they'll go to Tesco's up the road, the 24-hour shop, and buy sleeping bags and hand them out as they leave the building. But they worship with a joy that, I'm going to be really honest, I don't see very often, because they feel loved, and they recognise, they can... They, they don't know, they, they can't put it all in words, but they recognise Jesus in us. They recognise the love. They recognise that they're genuinely cared for. They recognise that they're welcomed and embraced and that people want to know about them. And they've got this inexpressible joy and the reality is their situations are dire, but they smile and they laugh when they're worshipping. And... I mean, Mark, I'll tell you, we went this week and they, they, they did a sermon on um, Lazarus and um, the rich man, and everybody was so attentive, desperate, desperate to learn more, desperate to understand, but they've captured that joy. They've captured that joy in a desperate situation, probably more desperate than the situation Peter was talking to, probably more desperate than a lot of our situations. And the reality is, that going back to the Abraham story, knitting that back in, a lot of those people will leave and will drink. They will drink alcohol to keep warm. A lot of them will probably leave that service and take drugs. They will still mess up, and to it, I almost can't blame them. It's snowing. Who wouldn't want a bottle of whiskey to keep out the cold? But God still loves them. He knows, a bit like Abraham walking, you know, a bit like when he walked between those halves of those carcasses, he knows that they'll get it wrong, and he knows that they'll still fault and they'll still go back to the drugs, but the reality is God loves them, and they've captured that knowledge. They've got it. I'd have a little bit of fun, which I'm not going on too long. Imagine if Peter had written a letter to the Bridge North Baptist Church. We have all these letters in all the epistles, don't we, to the Corinthians and to the Ephesians. Imagine if Peter had written this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, scattered through Shropshire, from the towns and villages, the likes of Erdington, Billingsley, Wenlock, all drawn together to worship in Bridge North. To all of you who are facing earthly trials, 
to you that are facing ill health, to you that are facing financial troubles, to you that are facing employment troubles, family problems, neighbours' issues. Praise be to God and praise be to Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given you new birth. He has given you a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He has given you an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade. In this, you people of Bridge North, greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, some of you, some of you in here, are suffering, you're suffering grief and you're suffering trials in life. These have come to you so the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined, may result in the praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you all love him. Even though you in Bridge North Baptist Church cannot see him right now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith and you will receive the salvation of your souls. Just to conclude, where's the root of your joy? It's knowing that God, who loves us, he's got our backs covered. He's rooting for us. He's watching over us. He's got a rescue plan for us. However difficult our trials are, God has got a plan. We've got the first whisper of that plan in Genesis 3. When God chastises Satan, and he's talking of the generations to come afterwards, and we're involved in those generations, and he says, you may strike the heel, but it's your head that'll get get crushed. We're on the good side, we're on the winning side. So while life is carrying on, and all those generations have carried on, and while we're waiting for the cosmos to be cleaned, no matter how troubled our times are, we know that we can cling to the root, our root of joy, our rock, and that's Jesus. And whatever the trials are, we can have that joy that he's with us and he's for us and he'll never let us down. We've also got a family birthday on the 25th of December. And if ever there was a good time to express our joy, then I think that's it. Amen.